following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Father, today we thank you that we're in a season where you are nurturing our spirits. Father, you are calling us into our identity and our purpose. You are looking to take us into a next season, a next level of relationship with you. Walking as sons and daughters, the whole earth is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of of our Heavenly Father's sons and daughters on the earth. And so, Lord, we thank you that our spirit man is being awakened during these 40 days as we're hearing the sound of the shofar. Our spirit man is waking up, coming alive, engaging in the spiritual realm. And so we cordially invite our soul to come behind our spirit and our body behind our soul. And that our spirit man would begin to take the lead and would begin to take charge for you said those that are the sons and daughters of God they are led by the spirit of God and so I bless you today I bless your spirit with an awareness of God's presence spirit I bless you with great joy that comes from experiencing the presence of God sensing him watching over your life I bless you with experiencing the joy of his presence in private and public worship I bless you with knowing his presence in the night watches as your subconscious mind and spirit are open to the spirit of God so that he can minister to you while your conscious mind is not cluttering things up I bless you with sensing the presence of God in those things which the world calls problems and pain. I bless you in the name of Jehovah Shema, the God who is always there for you. So Lord, we receive, we connect by our spirit to the presence of God in this room today. And we thank you that this ironic blessing that has been spoken over us, that there is favor being released upon us and our children and our children's children unto a thousand generations. Lord, we thank you generational curses are being removed and dealt with in this season. And you are moving us by your Holy Spirit into cycles of blessings that you have planned from us relentless generational blessings that you have planned for us from the foundations of the earth and so Lord I thank you you're sending the right people into our lives at the right time to have divine connections so that those that are in our lives can help us move into this season that you're calling us into Lord I thank you for that and we just simply say let your kingdom come let your will be done on the earth as it's being done in heaven today and we pray this prayer in Jesus name and all God's people said amen can we give the Lord one more hand of praise just being aware of him and what he's doing in our lives today 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hear the sound of the shofar. Anybody bring your shofars with you today? So we're in a 40-day season. I'll be telling you a little bit about this, but there's something about the significance of this sound, and uh, we'll be telling you a little bit more about that today before we give our giving. Let's do our giving declaration, and then we'll release the sound of the shofar one more time. Is that all right? Put it up there, will you? And we'll say it out loud together. One, two, three. In the month of Elul, we celebrate that the king is in the field. We choose to approach him, run into his tower of might, and find our place in his company. We use our faith to take action and move towards our king in every area of our lives. Today, we bring our first fruits offering with joy, trusting that God rules and reigns on the throne of our hearts. He is our provision. He is our strength. And we walk into the blessings and favor of God that is ours as heirs and joint heirs in Christ. We are blessed. We are righteous. We are favored. We are victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, hear the sound of the shofar. Come on. He is our provider, amen? Give your neighbor a virtual high five and you may sit down. The touch and no touch church in the midst of COVID. Good morning, everybody. We're delighted to have you out with us. Can we thank the Lord for worship and leading us into God's presence today? And thank you for our worship team. We're so appreciate, appreciative of them. Welcome all you that are online this early service, and thank you so much for tuning in and watching online. Next service, Doc Henley will be here with us, our wine to water partner who's making clean water available around the world, but he will not only be bringing us up to date about how those missions are proceeding, but he'll also, he's got a message from the Lord for us, so if you want to tune in again online, uh, you're welcome to do that for the second service as well, and we'll look forward to that. We just got a couple of significant things to celebrate uh, you, most of you know we've been uh, in a mission all in Alabama, and uh, the Lord uh, spoke to us in November to go to all 67 counties and uh, proclaim the message of Ecclesia, which I'll be talking to you a little bit about today. Pray for all the government officials in every county and release the prophetic words over the state of Alabama. Well, we celebrate the fact that today, while we're here, our fire teams are away in two other counties. So today, county number 65 and county number 66 are being, being ministered to today. And so, that's exciting. Next Friday night, we will finish all in Alabama in Washington County. And uh, this is going to be an exciting time. Pastor Keith and Carmen Williams down there are hosting us. It's going to be an outside service. So it'll be one of those places that we can have social distancing and feel pretty safe to go. Uh, it's way down in the corner of, of Alabama in the west southwest corner just before you get down into the little part of Mobile and Baldwin County area. Uh, what's interesting to us is Washington County was the, we, we didn't plan these, plan this, we just booked them as they came. Washington County was actually the first capital of Alabama when Alabama was a territory, not a state yet, when we were divided from Mississippi Territory and became our own territory. And so isn't it interesting that the very last county would be the first where Alabama began. And so we believe that's significant. We'll be having an outdoor service and we'll be celebrating 
prophesying, releasing the blessing of the Lord over the entire state of Alabama as the culmination of this all-in Alabama 2020. God's got a plan for the state of Alabama. And so we, we, if you'd like to join us, you're welcome to go down. We've got hotel rooms, a block of them blocked. For those that would like to drive down and spend the night, you can go on the website and find great rates for rooms. Uh, throw your lawn chair in the back of the car and come on down. Get your pickup truck and the family and come on down to South Alabama. We're going to have a great time of the culmination there, and uh, we look forward to that. And so we really appreciate your prayers as we continue to do that. Other thing we want to celebrate just before I share the word with you is last week we had over 30 people follow the Lord Jesus Christ in water baptism. And so what a great time that was. We got some photos there, and man, God did some very, very powerful things, and we heard some powerful stories as people were moving out of addiction, people were moving out of uh, uh, ha- uh, sinful habits and destructive habits and man the Lord met us at the waters of baptism and uh, we had a wonderful celebration and we thank the Lord that people are continually having encounters with God and finding out the plan and purpose that Jesus Christ has for their life so can we just celebrate the fact one more time that 30 folks followed the Lord Jesus last week that's fantastic and so we thank the Lord for that amen we find ourselves at this significant season, and uh, I know some, uh, some of you, the sound of the shofar may be an odd thing in church, but basically that we're in the midst of a 40-day intentional time of God. We learned about a decade ago that God has a calendar, and it's a biblical calendar. And when you begin to see this biblical calendar, realize God is very intentional in that he has planned divine appointments for us seasonal times actually each year that he makes himself available to us in different ways. To help you understand it, it's much like the seasons of the year. We, we know in December we wouldn't plant corn. It's just not the right time. So even though you're planting corn in December, you're probably not going to get a harvest because you're planting at the wrong time. What we have to understand is the biblical concept is an agricultural concept. It's all based on harvest. Isn't it exciting that our God wants to take us from harvest to harvest? That's why it says God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. And the exciting thing about God is that even though it may not all happen for you at once, we realize if we will just continue cycling with God at the right time, at the right place, sooner or later, your seed time and harvest is going to catch up with your experience. And sooner or later, the seed of destiny on the inside of you will break the husk of iniquity that's trying to keep you from the blessing, and you'll step into God's time and purpose. So touch your neighbor say, now's not the time to quit. Tell them, now's not the time to quit. And so these are seasonal portals, if you will, certain times a year where God says, I'm accessible to you. This is known in the Hebraic culture, the 40 days from Elul 1 until the Day of Atonement. This is known as 40 days of teshuvah or repentance is one term. Favor is another term that's used, 40 days of favor. And so this is 40 days intentionally that God comes every cycle, every year to say, wake up. This shofar sound is actually found in Joel that says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. It's like a wake-up call that every year God comes to us and says, no, no matter you may have gotten off track, 
You may have let go of some spiritual disciplines. You may have got caught up in some cycles that tried to snag you. Wake up. I'm very close to you. The king is in the field. Now is time. Draw nigh to me. I'll draw nigh to you. And we can sort some things out together these 40 days that will literally enable you to step into a new calendar year, leaving some old things behind and moving into a new thing with God. How many of you like to leave some old things behind and move into some new things, right? Well, this isn't, we've got it mixed up. We think this is December 31st this happens. But that's the Gregorian calendar. That's not the biblical calendar. That's why most of our New Year's resolutions don't work. Because they're based in willpower and they're based in, in, in mental knowledge, not by the spirits moving. So don't wait to December 31st to get a resolution. Now is time to make a resolution. These 40 days begin to resolve in your heart what kind of life with God would you like to step into next year? Begin to envision that with God. Begin to talk to God about it. Begin to express your heart to God about what you would like to see in your life and in your family as you step into this new season. And the king is in the field during this season. You have access to him so that you and him can navigate together this next season of your life. Aren't you glad that God is so interested in our moving and making it with him to where we're supposed to be that he'll just, every year he comes and says, okay, I'm here, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to work with you. Let's go. Let's move into a new season. Now, we have stepped into this 40 days and we've called it 40 days of kindness because we believe it's during these 40 days that we experience the kindness of God Therefore, during these 40 days, we should extend the kindness of God. And we believe in acts of kindness and generosity, we can begin to change the spiritual climate. And so I'm hearing testimonies now of folks that have stepped into this. Yesterday, just a random small act, I bought someone a cup of coffee, and the big old smile lit up on their face. I mean, you'd thought, you'd thought I'd given them something large, but it was just that pure act of kindness. I watched the atmosphere shift over their heads. It was like a cartoon that just, whoo, something shifted right over their heads. Uh, Justin, who leads worship with us, was telling me that this last week he was in Allen, Alabama. They were laid at the huddle house, and you know, it was kind of they were the last ones there after the service, and the waitress was waiting on them there, and Struck up a conversation with him, and Justin said, you know, I'd, I'd heard you, Kent, talk about blessing people and, and, and generosity and acts of kindness. And so he said, I could say, well, I can do that too, Lord. And he said, as I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to leave this waitress a $100 tip. He's like, that can't be God. You know, and so, and, you know, he starts praying his way through that. And then next thing he knows, yes, it, it, it is right. And so he, uh, he said, I just kind of put it there, or I paid with a credit card, and I put it there, wrote it, and just kind of ran out you know, to get out before she got it. He said, I looked back, and she hit her knees. As soon as she read it, jumped up, ran after me, crying, saying, is this a joke, or is this, a rea- is this true? And he goes, yes, it's true. The Lord told me to do that. She just broke down into tears in the parking lot, prayed for her, her children, her family, released a blessing over their life. There's Justin right there. Shifted the spiritual atmosphere over someone's life through an act of kindness. It doesn't have to be $100, it can be a smile, it can be a note, it can be whatever the Holy Spirit, but what's exciting during these 40 days, to move in acts of kindness, you've got to hear Him. And so what's exciting to me is not just $100, not just the blessings, not just the prayer, but that people are listening, right? And so just start listening to God during these 40 days because He's right here, He's in your field. 
That means wherever you go, he's with you. And so if we move like that, we'll see significant things transpire over these 40 days. I want just in the next few moments I have with you as we're talking about shifting spiritual atmospheres is to talk about shifting the spiritual atmosphere of our home. To understand that, we've got to understand what the church actually was designed to be. There's a paradigm shift happening right now, even during this COVID, that, you know, uh, I've heard it said like this, the enemy thought he was going to shut the church down. And in actual, what he did, he opened a church in every home. So now every home, most every home, those that are following Jesus now, are somehow their home has become a place where they're meeting with God. And so I really believe that this is, I'm not saying God produced COVID. I'm saying that whatever hand God's dealt with, God wins with. And then I believe in the midst of this, God is, God is changing our mentality of what church actually is. Especially in the Western world, that church has become a building where we come to to receive blessing and instruction, which is great and good, but it's not the whole picture. And uh, so I really believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to move with Him in this season and understand the house of God, our home, our house. And so to do that, there's a thing in biblical study called first mention. Whenever you see something mentioned first in the Bible, it's normally the, the example or the illustration of what that means. And the first time in the whole scripture that house of God is mentioned is in Genesis 28. Here's what it says. Jacob dreamed a dream, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Then jo- jo- Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. Somebody say this place. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't even know it. Isn't it interesting? God could be where you are and you not be aware of it. So when it says he woke up, I understand from sleep, but I believe Holy Spirit right now is waking us up to say, wait a minute, God is right here with you right now. Just be aware of that. The Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? First of all, wherever God is, it's an awesome place. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. The original definition of church, house of God, is a place where heaven and earth meet. This is the simple definition. Wherever heaven opens and has access to earth, that is the house of God. And so when we understand that, we understand it's not a physical building or a denomination or a place, even though we can dedicate this church, this building to the Lord, which is awesome. But you and I are actually the church. And wherever we are, He is. You tracking with me? So the New Testament example, Matthew 16, Jesus said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is where? In heaven. And I'll send you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, 
translated ecclesia. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I've, we, we've, we've talk, touched on this over the last several months, but it's important. That word ecclesia becomes a very important word. Jesus only mentioned the word church twice in the whole Bible, told nobody how to build it, and told nobody what it was or how to govern it. And we've planted hundreds of thousands, if not millions of churches without any concept. Jesus didn't even tell us how to do it or how to govern it or what it was supposed to be. Why? Because the word church, the English word church, was not used for the first 300 years of Christianity. Nobody had a concept that we understand as traditional organized religion or church. The original term Jesus used, ecclesia, was not even a spiritual term. It was not a religious term. It was a governmental term. It was a term of authority. So the concept is Rome had sent an ecclesia to Palestine. This was a called out people that were called to come out of one place and go to another place. And their responsibility was to cause that place to become like the place that sent them. Sound familiar? And the reason, and, the, and the, the, what gave them the ability to do that, even though they were a small group of people, was that the place that sent them gave them the military and economic power that backed them up. So it's like a policeman who stops a car with his hand. We know his hand doesn't stop the car. It's what's behind the hand that stops the car. And so when the ecclesia was sent, they had a hand behind them that they knew, which was the Roman Empire. And the apostle was actually a, a, a simple term, which was a commander of a fleet of ships whose job was to bring the equipment they needed to get the job done. But they weren't called to come out of culture. They were called to live in culture and leaven the dough of society with the concept of who they were sent from. But most of us have grown up in a church that we're, the concept is let's get as many people out of culture into a building and try to keep them safe like in a refrigerated ship until the big refrigerator ship comes back one day and gets our fish, and we go to the big aquarium in the sky, and we live there forever. Well, if that's true, there was only two offices needed in the church, evangelists and assassins. Save us, kill us, let us all go to heaven. We know the purpose of God has never been, let's leave here. He didn't pray, thy kingdom go. He prayed, thy kingdom come. And so we got to switch. we got to make a paradigm into what we think about church actually is. And understand that you and I are an ecclesia. And the definition of that is found in Matthew 18 that says, Assuredly, I say unto you, somebody say he's talking about me. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, if two of you agree concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am right there in the midst of them. In other words, when you're at home with your wife, two or three gathered, Jesus is in the midst of that. 
When you're at home with your family, Jesus is in the midst of you. But most of us are not aware. So we have to wake up. My job this morning, let's wake up and realize Jesus isn't in this building. The only reason we felt God today is because you brought him. You brought presence here. Presence doesn't live here. When there's no people, presence isn't here. I'm here when you're not here. You can walk through here and you don't feel the same. You don't feel this building what you feel right now when you're not here. I mean, it's not a bad place. It's not negative. But when, you, but when, you, when you're here and you walk in this room, there's an atmosphere. Why? Because you brought presence with you here. And when you leave, you will take presence with you. And when you step back into your home today, presence will be there with you. And if you will continually stay aware of that, it will get greater and greater and greater and greater into your life and family. And so I'm convinced that we're at a Revelations 3 moment. Jesus is knocking on the door. It says Jesus comes and knocks on the door. We've used this over the years to talk about salvation, but he's not talking about to lost folks there. He's talking to the church. Jesus is knocking on the door of the church, and he said, if anybody will open the door and let me in. Isn't it not staggering to you that the very king who is in the field is actually knocking on the door of our homes right now, saying, if you will just open the door, I will come in and sup with you, fellowship with you, abide with you. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read Scripture and Jesus went in somebody's home, something happened. Jesus went to Peter's mother-in-law's home. Boom. Got healed. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, ate a meal, boom, whole household got saved. So Jesus is knocking on the door of our, I believe, our homes, the true ecclesia. Because the original church was not a building, the original church was in the Garden of Eden, where two people, Adam and Eve, walked and enjoyed the presence of God. This is the paradigm we've got to shift, I believe, in our nation and in our homes. That Jesus wants to come into our homes. I'm challenging you this week. This is what I'm going to do this afternoon. And I've done it before years ago. But I think it's worth doing again. When I get home this afternoon after church. I'm going to get my wife. And we're going to go to the front door of our house. And I'm going to open it. And I'm going to say Jesus if you're truly knocking on my door. I'm opening it. And I want you Lord Jesus to come into my house. And I want you to abide with me. I'm going to get me a bottle of oil, and I'm going to grease some things up again in my house. I'm going to declare the blood of Jesus over my house and my family. And I'm going to say, Lord, I want to rededicate my home as your abiding place. And I'm not going to wait till I get to church on Sunday to feel your presence. I believe when I wake up in the morning, you're going to be right here with me. And you're going to speak to me and speak to us and lead us and guide us. Because like you, our family, we face challenges and situations and stuff. How good is it that we don't have to go to church and pray, but we can hit our knees right in our home. And Jesus is there to speak and make us move forward. I believe it's important that we re-invite or maybe invite for the first time physically the Lord Jesus to come. Now, I'm not talking about a metaphorical thing. I'm talking about the presence of God. 
It's tangible. So I'm not talking about just a religious activity. I'm talking about truly Jesus comes into your home. And when you go to, night, go to bed at night, he's dancing over you, singing over you, as Zephaniah says. He's just waiting for you to go to sleep so he can give you some dreams and visions and revelations. You're standing there sleeping, and my Bible says, he that slumbers, he that keepeth Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. Jesus never sleeps. And when you're asleep at night in your family, he's there navigating your, light, your night life, your dream world. And when you wake up in the morning, he's waiting for you. What are we going to do today, Lord? Presence. Where two or three are gathered, there I am. Literally. See, think with me just a minute. Lord Jesus, you said where two or three are gathered, there you are. So we know you are right here, right now. That's Him. It'd be wonderful. That's him. It's tangible. That peace, that presence, that's him. And so all that happened in this moment we just became aware. And so can you imagine in your home, because I'm, I'm, I'm practicing this in my life right now, that when I go to a meeting or when I'm, when I'm with my family, to say, wait a minute, two or three, there he is. Let's make sure we're aware he's here. And then let him do whatever he wants to do, say what he wants to say. And you know, he's a lot of fun. I mean, he's, he's not some holy Jesus. I mean, it's okay to ask him to watch the news with you. It's not like you got to be holy with Jesus. He, he's okay with everything. You know, it's okay to ask him, should I eat that next ice cream sandwich? He's like... Oh, come on, we need to come over here. No, like literally. Like he wants, I really believe he wants to be that kind of involved in our lives. Like every detail. If we just let him. And so I really believe that in this season that the Lord's wanting to change the spiritual atmosphere of our home. Now the word for house, and I'll hit this real quick and we'll pray. The Greek word oikos is the word for house. It's used throughout the New Testament, and its Hebrew counterpart is pronounced bayith. It's derived from the verb banya, ba, bana, 
The word generally meaning to build, both refer to a good deal more than physical structure which a person lives. The biblical concept of house includes at least four things. Real estate, relationships, responsibilities, and your realm of influence. So when you're inviting Jesus into your house, that's your real estate. And that's important. Because God won't, don't make any mistakes, God likes places where people welcome him in their physical dwellings. That's Exodus 25, 8. Let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them, and there I will meet with you. But also, it's relationships. Families and relationships involve more than biological genetics. Hear me? There are also spiritual genetics. God's promise of glory on our house is intended to be understood as a promise with real and practical possibilities that spiritual life power may be transmitted through your family as surely as the color of your hair was transmitted. That's why Acts 16.31 says you will be saved, you and your household. The spiritual genetics on your life can get into your children and your children's children. We sang it today. May the favor be upon you, upon your children and your children's children. There's a spiritual DNA for a house. You and your house shall be saved. That means my children, my children's children, my children's children, children, and my children's children, 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 children. All the children. Now, we've understood it on the other hand because many of us have labored under a generational curse of our forefathers, but my Bible says that only goes to three or four generations. But if God gets on your house, it can go to a thousand generations. I believe, like as sure as I'm standing here, God right now in this season is shifting spiritual curses to spiritual blessings, generational curses to generational blessings. I know it's the word of the Lord right now. And how's that happening? God's turning the hearts of fathers toward the sons and turning sons' hearts to the fathers. This is Malachi. He says, when this happens, I will remove the curse. God's getting involved in families right now. That's why he locked us up together. He locked it. He shut the whole globe down. And so I'm going to lock families up together. Why? I'm wanting to turn the hearts of fathers toward children. I'm wanting to turn children's hearts toward fathers. I'm wanting to do a work in families right now so that the curse that's trying to rule the earth can be broken and the anointing can be released. Now's the time to let your family heal, get restored, and move into this next season. And no matter what it looks like in the natural with God, with man, it is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Amen. So not only is it just your family, but he also wants to pour his spirit out on your sons and daughters and bless those relationships that come within the circle of your home or family. The Bible calls them neighbors. The Bible calls them, these, these are clearly more than the people next door. We're talking about God's interest in glorifying with his presence in all your intimate relationships and acquaintances. I met with a government official last week in his office. And I've been trying to practice this in my life. And normally, you know, I would just observe protocol and, you know, go with the meeting. But just before the meeting started, I said, do you mind if I pray? He said, well, No. I said, Lord, you said where two or three are gathered. Here you are. And the presence of God, 
Whew. Government official tears looked at me. He's like, that was good. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it was. Business meeting, government meeting, family meeting, work meeting, two or three gathered. Here I am. Isn't that interesting? But not only is it relationships, real estate, but it's responsibilities. This is the Hebrews 3.2 that says, this refers primary to the duties of our work or career or daily business enterprises. Moses, it says, was faithful in all his house. Referring to Moses' fulfillment of his leadership duties and the completion of his God-appointed task. So even your career or your ministry or whatever God's called you to do, Jesus is there with you in that. Not just at the physical building here on Sunday, but when you go to work in the morning, Jesus is there with you. But lastly, it's also a place of influence. I read this, it says the term unimportant has disappeared. They found that in the course of one year, even a virtually homebound, reclusive, and withdrawing individual made contact with more than 50 people. Many of these individuals were said to have left an impression on others sufficient to be gauged as impacting. You and I don't realize how important we are to our sphere of influence when Jesus is with us. You can leave an indelible impact on someone's life through presence and acts of kindness. So when you go home today, hopefully and join me and open your door and invite Jesus in. He's not just coming into your real estate. He's coming into your relationships. He's, he's coming into your sphere of influence. He, he, he's coming in to live life with you, do life together with you. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. This is what God wants to do in our time, in our season that we're living in. And I know if you're like me, I've been reading a book by Jack Hayford about glory on your house. And there's a prophecy in Isaiah that says over every house or every home there will be a covering of glory Isaiah prophesied over every home there will be a covering of glory but I looked at that and I began to see that when God commits the, the begetting of the glory on our house it's nothing less than the creative power of God it says the Lord not you the Lord will create that's the same word in Genesis 1. The Lord will create over our homes or dwelling place his glory. So we wonder how God could visit our house, such a prospect because of our circumstances, our limitations, our failures, our weaknesses that cause us to doubt this grand possibility. But I've got news for you. The reason Jesus wants to come to our house is because of our weaknesses and our impossibilities. When he knocked on the door of the church, he said, you think you're rich you think you're white, clothed, without sin, and you think you can see. Actually, you're blind, you're poor, and you need new clothes. Jesus didn't come into our house because we got it all together. Jesus is coming to our house because we don't have it all together. Come on, somebody. And it's because we don't have it all together that he wants to step in because we need him. 
What happens when he leaves is when we think we don't need him. That's why the picture is he's on the outside of the church that thinks they don't need him. But the church that realizes they desperately need him, he says, if you'll open the door, I will step in and I will be there with you. Anybody here today desperately need Jesus to step into your house, your home, your relationships, your business, your influence, and walk with you in this season? I got good news. The king is in the field, and he's about to step into your house and do what only he can do in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand up with me. Let's give him a big hand of praise this morning. He's worthy. Amen. Woo. Psalm 127 one says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. I thought about this morning. David said, God, I want to build you a house. Remember that? God, I want to build you a house. God said, no, I want to build you a house. That's exactly what God told David. God, I want to build you a house. God said, no, I prefer building you a house. Well, I'd rather you, I'd rather build you a house where I could live with you than build a house where people only visit with me. I'd rather build you a house where I dwell with you 24-7 than build a, build a house where just visited once a week. Now, I'm not saying this isn't great. This is great because the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. But this was, in my opinion, never supposed to be the main thing. Your house, my house, that's the main thing. And so we're partnering in this season with Ed Silvoso, Rick Joyner, Chuck Pierce, Dutch Sheets, Cindy Jacobs, several more gathering with us. We've launched a webpage called Ecclesias Everywhere. And it's basically the concept of homes in America opening the door letting Jesus in we're believing between now and the election that a million homes will open the door to Jesus Christ and say we will be that ecclesia we will be that place where heaven meets earth and begin to pray not only for our families but for the nation of America we believe that this may be the most important election of the history of our nation and we believe that God, through ecclesias everywhere, could shift the spiritual climate of a nation and cause us as a nation to step into this next season of, I believe, the third great awakening that God wants to do. And so my challenge to you today is when you go home is open the door. Grab you some oil. If you don't have anointing oil, that spray pan works just the same. Just lather it up. It's all oil. Bless it, spray it, claim it. Jesus coming to my house. But I also would challenge you, go to this web, this Facebook page. I'm sorry, not web page. Facebook page, Ecclesia Everywhere. And sign up. It's just basically asking you three questions. Do you believe you're the Ecclesia? Do you want to open your home for heaven to invade your sphere of influence? And would you not only do that, but would you pray for five neighbors on the right and five neighbors on the left and cover your territory for the kingdom of God? And say, I'm claiming my 
sphere of influence for heaven's sake. I believe it's important. I believe we're about to see one of the greatest spiritual awakenings that's ever happened in our nation and in our lives. And this is the season of preparation and transition that God is bringing us through. Amen. So, Father God, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, as we sound the sound of the shofar during the remainder of this 40 days, we're reminding heaven and hell of the Lamb of God that's been slain from the foundation of the earth. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we're saying, Lord, in these 40 days, you're going to shift the spiritual climate over our homes. You're going to shift the spiritual climate over cities and neighborhoods. And yes, you can even shift the climate over our nation. And so, Lord, we join with those in the United States of America that are willing to say yes, Lord, to this season as we step into it. And we receive this benediction. We receive that song of blessing that that your favor is going to be upon us and our children and our children's children to a thousand generations. And so, Lord, we thank you for that today. I bless your people now and I say may the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us as we take the step of faith today to open our homes and invite the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ into our homes. Something's going to shift and something's going to change over our lives in this season. Lord, we thank you for it and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.